Welcome back to The Real Slim Fatty Show. I am your host, Fatty Hawatma, and I am stoked to have Jason Bloomer. And is that Jason Bloomer? <laughs> Blummer, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I was looking at it and I was analyzing. I was like, is it Blummer or is it Bloomer? Yeah, yeah. Everybody says Bloomer. I'm probably pronouncing my name wrong. Yeah, Fatty, maybe so from I don't the know. very beginning of time. I'm stoked to have you on, man. I'm, I'm I've been a follower of yours for for a while. We play in the same field, you know, in the in the accounting world, yeah. and been in, been playing in the same arena, singing singing similar tunes, just from different perspectives and different yeah. uh, different things. Yeah. Um, so mm. welcome, welcome, my friend. Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. We we've been podcasting for a long time too, so it's such a a cool medium to really get out get the message out to the world to to help people grow and change. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I love it. And I'm going to dive right in because you said the word change. <laughs> what do you see as mm. one of the biggest things that are going to be changing for entrepreneurs, for accounting firms? Like what does change look like in 2024 that has never happened before? Mm. Yeah. Wow. This never happened before. So here I got to predict stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. Well, it's it's funny. I do I do try to follow a lot of economics and how it really affects kind of the profession. Always really interested in that, how it affects our firm, because we we have a community for accountants as one business where we do consulting. And then in our firm that we've had for 25 years, uh, we just have to keep a, a you know tabs on the economy. And 2023 was a funky year. Uh, it's been a little funky since the pandemic's been over. So everybody's trying to figure out you know, where, where do they, where do they stand? Um, so economy was a little tripping in 2023. I was difficult team building. So the profession, the accounting profession has a hard time, um, you know, with, uh, team building, it's a really hard pipeline and supply of team. So 2024, I think we're kind of getting to the point where we're not going to see this scary recession we all thought was going to happen. So maybe we're going to get back to normal, you know, sales leads are going to pick up. A lot of firms are struggling with that. Uh, we have a really strong team now. We rebuilt some of our team in 2023. So I think maybe things are going to settle down a little bit. Maybe the first half of the year, will there'll be probably a little bit of fear uh, in mm -hmm. the market, I imagine, as people trying to make their way. Um, I think technology, and you know this, Fatty, technology and AI are just going to continue to really blow up people's uh life. And, and I say that in a good way, right? But yeah. for a profession like, you know, the accounting profession, we're, we got to really navigate through that stuff. It really hits us and we got to figure out how to use it, where to use it. So we need, I don't know, it's it's almost not like a lot of technology and you you know this, we need a lot of education. We need to be taught, how do I use it? When do I use it? What can it replace? That kind of stuff. So I think that's going to be pretty disruptive, probably for a few years. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. AI is, yeah. is big, man. You know that. Yeah. I th and I think you're, you're spot on a, on several things that you said there. I think one of the, one of the first things is when we work with firms, when firms sign up and they're say, okay, I want to use clockwork for my clients and I right. want to, I want to, I want to leverage the software. We always look at how are you actually going to use it? How are you going to implement yeah. it? Who's in charge of it? And that really has been one of the biggest things for us to win the market 
is yeah. when other other softwares they come up and they pop up and they're like, okay, now go and pay us our fee and leave us alone. Right. You know. Right. And yeah. if you do talk to us, we're going to charge you two hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Which, right. yes, our competitors literally charge two hundred and fifty dollars an hour to answer questions, which is insane mm. to me. But you know, we're really giving people what to do with the technology because right now the market is so over flooded with technology sure. it's a zoo and poor accountants yeah. get pitched everything all day yeah. every day they're just they're yeah. just constantly getting Non-stop. bombarded um yeah. and 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 the, yeah i mean you're absolutely right the number one thing is what do i do with this now how do i use it how yeah. am i supposed to use it um yeah. and education yeah. is key yeah, it is. It is key because I I came up in the the profession where we didn't really have technology even before the cloud. And I remember when the when the cloud came about, it, this new ubiquitous way really to serve clients. But even then, we had to figure out how do we how do we put this in our our mix of services, right? And now we all have tech stacks, and accountants weren't really built to manage tech stacks and kind of put those together yeah. and strategize around the you know, the stack of a tech that's going to really differentiate us. So, and AI is like, good man, that is way, that tech stack is just <laughs> mind blowing, right? It And it's still changing, right? So fast. And so the education is key. So, uh, you know, when we find products like clockwork, we, the first thing we have to do is go, all right, how do I sell this? Right. I got to mm-hmm. put it in, I got to put it in some kind of proposal or package and when I'm doing something like that, I want to really get a good price out of it from our clients because I want to be differentiated in the value of adding a product like that. And so selling is really hard for accountants. But when we have to sell AI related technology, it just gets even much more difficult. So, yeah, products like like Clockwork have to really ed- they have to have an educational front end to it, which will really change us now that. I don't know how y'all do that. That's slower for y'all, right? You have to educate a market. That's such a slow way to bring on clients, but I guess it's building the front end base that grows over time. Is that how you do that? Yeah, it really is through our understanding of the market. You know, that's really been the biggest, the biggest differentiator is the market doesn't necessarily need to know what the key is. They just need to know that you have the key and they'll trust you in the path. Yeah. You know, I think that's been one of the biggest things when I look at what is out there in the market. What is the actually what does the market look like, right? Like we pioneered right. AI in the financial planning space, right? We were the mm. first AI company back in 2018 when I initially created it. <laughs> and they looked at me they're like, "You're you're an insane person. You're an insane <laughs> what person." What are you There's, doing? <laughs> yeah. And it was always the funniest thing because I'm like, "Man, I'm educating a whole new market on what it was." And I was way too early. Like you can yeah. never educate a market. The market has to be willing to mm. be educated. And That's now mm. fast forward mm. and six years since, you know, since I really dreamt up this, this crazy concoction mm. of a company. Now the market's mm. there. The market wants to learn. They mm. want to be able to utilize it because they know that they cannot move forward. They can't survive if they don't right, grab right. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the way. That's the way markets work and professions work, right? They all have to rise up together. And so when ChatGPT came out, I guess, fall of 2022, it, I mean, it really messed up people's heads. It was a little scary (laughs) at first, but what that does is it forces a market to go, you will be using this now. 
Yeah. Um, and then it just blew up from there. You know, all the new products started coming out. Uh, of course, w beneficial for us, a lot of these larger tech companies, they had to start putting AI in their product. And they just went on a mad rush to kind of push AI uh, just built into the back end of their product, which helps us. Right. But we're yeah. still going, how do I use it? Like, do I, yeah. what do I ask it? <laughs> so yeah. now we got to, you know, do prompt engineering. It's like, well, crap, somebody's got to teach me how to do that too. <laughs> yeah. And so all of this stuff has been shoved at us. So, um, but you know what? We're ready now. We have to yeah. be, we have no choice because every firm is going to jump on it really, really quickly. And there's a ton of modern firms, a lot of younger firm owners that, you know, this stuff is not hard for them. So the market's yeah. ready. So we're ready to go now and you have to tell us how to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on there. And when I look at it, when I look at it, it's not, you know, all these new age people, new age companies that are just like AI now, I need to have it. And I'm just going to slap some sort of a open AI on the back of my stuff. Right. It introduces so much risk mm. for accountants and for users because you're mm. talking sensitive data, right? You're talking yeah, counting sure. data. Like yeah. your 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 financials of all your clients is extremely sensitive data. Mm. And it's it's getting to the point now where it's dangerous. Like we so the, mm. the AI that Clockwork uses is, is built around machine learning. And you know, nowadays when you talk about machine learning, they're like, Oh, that's so nineteen nineties AI. Right. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, and now now we have the generative AI and all the all the all the stuff. Large that we, learning. Yeah, all that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that we've added on top of the original AI. But yeah. Um, you have all these other companies that are just, hey, we're going to go cheap and we're going to go quick and just throw something on the back end. But like, mm -hmm. what's actually happening with that data? What are you actually signing up yeah. for and yeah. allowing these companies to have access to all your data? Mm. What are they doing with it? And can you actually trust it? Because, mm. you know, everyone talks about AI hallucinating, just like people do. <laughs> you know, yeah. AI hallucinates, people hallucinate. Yeah. And what are the, uh, what's it going to do when it hallucinates with your financial records? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty scary, but, and you know what we're like, we're just, we'll sign any, you know, end user license agreement. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of put in front of us. So, you know, we're, we're signing off on this stuff and a few companies have gotten, gotten busted. Right. I think, oh, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Zoom had some, well, a number kind of, kind of got caught going, Hey, I get to use your data any way I want to. And so, so not only is AI coming in, I think you make a great, you make a great point, but in our firm, we had to really step up our security protocols, our mm. documents, you know, all these things. They're required by the IRS for firms that, that file taxes anyway. So we had to yeah. really step that stuff up because with AI, it interfaces with our clients, right? Mainly for us, we had to bring in Loom and Zoom and start recording stuff, transcripting things, and then, you know, meeting summary. And so now we're like, you know, our clients are going to be recorded. They have to approve that. We have to put it in our contracts. And so all of that starts getting pushed out into, you know, into the face of the client. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the data is very sensitive. How do you protect financial data with AI dipping into it and using it? I mean, are there, I don't know, are there some complicated back-end ways technology has to do that? Yeah. I mean, there really are. There, There's there's a reason that my team members are way smarter than I am because yeah. you know, they're the ones, they're the ones who figure it out. Uh, but right. security, security is absolutely, I mean, it's key. Like, you know, of course we have all the SOC 2 and the ISO and all that yep. kind of stuff. And for sure. One and, and, you know, everything that, that, you know, all the, all the traditional security stuff, right. but this, you know, it's the craziest thing is SOC 2. Everyone touts it as like the Holy grail of security. 
it really is not difficult to get and ah. it really doesn't do much for you. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So <laughs> now when, you're when scared. You st- <laughs> well, you know, when, when you when you when I always thought it was hilarious that all these firms are like, well, we can't work with you unless you have SOC 2. I'm like, hmm. I have two factor, you know, multi-factor authentication. I have right. pass locks on all my right. stuff like. Yeah, we're there, you know, and and yeah. it's it's very it's a very traditional way of of making mm-hmm. your company and your data secure. So if mm-hmm. your if your company culture is not secure mm-hmm. with the data that you're you're ingesting, yeah. at mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? I mean, you look at, yeah. and I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for name dropping them, but do you remember a, a company called uh, Scale Factor? Yep. Oh yeah, I do know Scale yeah. Factor. Out so of talents, right? Yeah. Out of Texas, yeah. Out of out yeah. of Austin, they were they were one of Austin. the first cool companies in Austin. Yeah, and they they raised a hundred million dollars, and they were touting AI bookkeeping. We That's do right. your yeah. bookkeeping. We do your month end with AI. Right, mm. and you know, people started. They, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They yeah, weren't they, people. They had people, people start, doing. <laughs> they had people in Malaysia. Right. Using, you know, literally staying up all night and then they had yeah. their their managers in Austin, Texas approving some of the stuff, but then they got so big so fast that they couldn't keep that secret anymore. Yeah. They and mm-hmm. and and it broke and it shattered and a company that raised a hundred million dollars literally disappeared overnight. Yeah. All their employees, yeah. all their clients. Yeah. All that mm-hmm. data. You think any of those people had security around their data when they're when they have people mm-hmm. logging in from Malaysia? Man, that is scary. Scary. That, that's that's scary to even think about. Yeah. But I mean, venture back companies they had a hard year in twenty twenty three too. You yeah. know, and tech tech companies yeah. really struggled in twenty twenty three. They were just you know doing all these layoffs. But the the venture money it'll flow to the hottest thing. Um, and of course, AI, they're, they're pumping money into, into AI based products now. So it all just gets really freaking confusing for us yeah. trying to run firms <laughs> and oh, yeah. we have no clue about AI. Yeah. And so we have to just trust the product. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe we should be reading those, those end user license agreements we're signing to make sure that yeah. data is now not going to be used in a way generatively that that we don't agree with i don't know yeah one of the easiest ways that because people always ask me you know should i be afraid of ai and i i teach courses with cpa mm-hmm. academy and and a mm-hmm. bunch of different speaking mm-hmm. so the number one thing you should always ask is what kind of ai are you using because there's so many different mm-hmm. factors of ai there's open ai there's narrow ai there's general ai there's mm-hmm. long language models there's Okay. Machine. I don't even yeah. know the difference between them. Yeah. yeah. And there, so. there's so many, there's so many different aspects, but people love to just slap AI on something and because it's the flavor of the month. So the yeah. number one thing that I tell everyone, it doesn't matter what kind of AI are they selling you. And if they don't have a very simple answer right when you ask, doesn't matter what person in the organization is telling you that it run away. Mm. If it's not a simple answer and they don't have a full understanding oh. of it, just okay. stop, stop the conversation. Because chances are, one, they aren't using AI, or two, they're mm-hmm. using AI that's not owned by them. So not only is uh, your data going through something that has potential risks, but it's a third-party solution, and a third-party software that could be taking in your data and then doing God knows what with it on on completely different different parts of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, so that, that's scary. How do you, 
is it easy to explain how clockwork does that kind of what is it a database should i call it a yeah. database <laughs> yeah so it, it, I mean, yeah it's basically an internet database right I, that, everything's a database yeah that's right <laughs> yeah so clockwork you know we use machine learning at the at the very core of clockwork it's machine learning so we're analyzing transactional data to build yeah. all the financial models and the cash flow forecasts mm. and the scenarios and all that kind of stuff mm. And it ingests the data every single hour from the accounting system and yep. users don't have to touch it and it's all customized for them. Okay. Very simple, right? You know, yeah. technically it's technically it gets pretty complicated, but when when you explain machine learning, it's learning based on how your business is performing, how your yep. employees perform, how you make decisions. It's it's relatively yeah. easily easy to understand. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's really pulling from your own, that company's own financial data, learning from exactly. it, and then just able to spit back out to you a lot of metrics, cash flow, planning, all of that based upon the mm -hmm. data that you're input from your your own accounting system, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a closed, closed loop AI, right? There's no yeah. not taking in anything from the public. And that's that's where it gets dangerous. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. is yeah. is machine learning really more of a description of I'm just learning off of your machine basically like just exactly. let me have access yeah. to your machine it's closed it's protected and I'm going to yep. learn from you and spit back to you really the summaries and the insights that you need that you can't pull from your own database yeah based on your closed data set mm -hmm. this is this is what we're picking up and what we're learning from your user behavior as well which is where the complexity of it is because everyone wants to build their models. You know, they want to factor in their own growth rates and they want to factor in their own yep. revenue mm -hmm. goals and all this kind of stuff. So yep. that influences it as well, but it's combining the yep. closed data set insights mm -hmm. with the user mindset. And then mm -hmm. clockwork literally marries those two, those two together and says, okay, this is mm -hmm. what the future of your company looks like um, nice. with all things considered. That's the best explanation of AI I've heard. <laughs> I'm, gonna so, put that, I'm gonna put that on my linkedin on my business card this is helping Jason. me man <laughs> this is helping no. me teaching me about about ai right yeah no i love it Just i mean that, that yeah. that's what we do you know honestly like mm -hmm. i think you hit the nail on the head vc companies venture-backed companies last year had a i had several competitors of ours that were FP&A platforms, right? Financial yep. planning and analysis platform. And the reason I yep. use air quotes is because they weren't actually doing FP&A. You know, they're, okay. they're doing little pieces of it that weren't really adding that much value for users. Yep. But, you know, they literally went out of business. And mm. we were able to raise a really solid round, you know, a, another a institutional round out of a phenomenal firm out of Boston. Mm -hmm. And it's because all those entrepreneurs and uh, the flavor of the month type things are very, very easily filtered out. And yeah. that happened in 2023. 2023 was the purge of all these fake companies that stood up nice. yeah. in 22 and in 21 when every single person and their mother was getting invested. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so Just last year was they the purge. had AI. So, yeah. so, so 2024 will probably be, uh, so it's been cleaned up. The market's been cleaned up a little bit, which is what happens, right, in markets when it get, when they get too fat and things, you know, come in that shouldn't. Yeah. So maybe 2024, the actual players with real data, real companies, 
real insights, you know, companies that actually provide value to firms are going to start to rise to the surface. So like Clockwork, yep. which is yep. pretty cool. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And in 2024, there's going to be a lot of consolidation as well. I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if there aren't there's aren't just massive roll-ups happening, but you know, Clockwork's mm-hmm. been doing it from the very beginning and so we're mm-hmm. we're leading the charge. We've been fortunate enough, you know, really to mm-hmm. to stick it out and be timing is everything. And now the timing yep. has, has really struck right for us. So mm-hmm. we've been very fortunate around that. But we've also done our our partners well. And we've yeah. done what we've said we were going to do. And we did it the right way. And we didn't take shortcuts. And, and we're consistently providing significant value. And that's yeah. that's what's going to separate success in 2024 versus the, mm-hmm. the last five years where yeah. you, you could have you just sold ice to mm-hmm. an Eskimo and yeah. people would have thought you were a wonderkind, you know, but that, that that's changed. That's changed. Yeah. So, well, it's good. We have a market now that's going to work. It's going to really support the profession is what we need. Yeah. yeah. So. so tell me, Jason, what does growth look like for you? I mean, I know you talk about a lot about what an accounting growth looks like, what an accounting mm-hmm. firm needs to do. What does growth yeah. look like for an accounting firm? Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> it, <laughs> hard, hard to define that, right? So I've been in my career for 30 years now. And so we know now it doesn't just mean more revenue, right? So that's a lot of times early on what what you think. It, it does include that. It includes growing your top line. But leading a firm is such an intimate thing. And I say that because it's just so relational, right? You have relationships yeah. with your team, your partners. Now we have relationships with our software vendors, right? <laughs> so yeah. we, we have to be closer to them. And of course, we have relationships with our clients. And so it, it has a lot to do with being a better entrepreneur that really knows themselves better. You know, it's, it's trying to live in a healthy way, right? Trying to find that balance because entrepreneurship can be all consuming. And, you know, I lead two full-time companies and that can really just consume you and suck you in. So Growth has a lot to do with knowing yourself, knowing the people around you, knowing when to push them, right? Push them to greater limits that you know they can achieve and sometimes when to back off. And all the while you are often trying to expand, right? So a lot of times instead of growth, which is a word now that means so many different things, expansion, we like to work with companies that are expanding. And that means the company, the enterprise is trying to get larger in some sense. They want a more market share, a new niche, more people, more revenue. All of that brings complexities, which we like as a firm because we can solve a lot of those complexities. Our team is constructed in a way to really solve that for clients. So I think I think it has a lot to do with knowing yourself, knowing when to push, when to grow, you know, your top line, your team, and also when not to do that. So that's key is when to push in and when to to push out. And that's what entrepreneurship is always a an in-out thing. You're always balancing the market, wading through markets and years that can be really, really tricky. So we do as a firm, we want to grow our revenue. We want to grow our team. We want to help more people, but we've got to do it in a balanced way. And that, and so growth is a very balanced thing, or it can really consume you. So I don't know. That may not have answered your question, but it's just such a balanced, <laughs> nuanced thing. And I think, uh, you know, firms are so intimate because they're so relational. So 
everybody is going to look different. Everybody's firm is going to look so different. So we can't go, hey, you need to expand and, and grow your revenue because some people have certain lifestyles they've got to meet and the firm has got to match that personal goal. And mm -hmm. so it looks so different to everybody. And so I think everybody's trying to learn their own path forward with their firm. And it's hard. So educating them is helping them know what is it you're trying to build and why are you trying to build it and how quickly do you want to build it? Do you want to acquire? Uh, do you want to merge into somebody else? Do you want to just, you know, grow client by client? So everybody's got to figure out what is their particular path, really. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the most key things that you said there is, is you interchanged entrepreneur with accountant. And yeah. I think a lot of people miss that they miss that piece. Accountants, if they're running their own firm, you're an entrepreneur. Totally. And you're, you're responsible mm -hmm. for the marketing. You're responsible for the sales. You're sure. responsible for your own payroll, your own taxes, That's right. all your client stuff. Yep. Um, and people people mm -hmm. overlook that and they underestimate they that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. W one thing entrepreneurship requires is risk. There's risk-based decisions to make. Sometimes yeah. they're big, sometimes they're small. And accountants are very risk-averse. But you can't actually expand without taking risks. So risk-based movement forward is part of entrepreneurship to, you know, to take over a market, to penetrate a market, to start a new niche, to sell a new service, to price in a more differentiated way. These are all risk-based moves and you have to do it as an entrepreneur. So accountants are always learning how to be better entrepreneurs by taking appropriate risks at the right time. And it's like you've been talking about this. There's such market timing to take in those yeah. things. And it's so hard. So you're going to take some hits. You're going to get punched in the stomach sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you, oh, yeah. you have to have a strong foundation to really be, be punched and stay in the game to get back up and keep, keep walking forward. So growth has a lot of risk-based decisions in it, but yeah. it makes us stronger. You learn a lot when you take risks. You get better at that skill. That is an entrepreneurial skill. So when firms are expanding and they're taking risks, you get better at that over time. I know I have because I took yeah. some stupid risks early on and it hurts. You oh, lose yeah. money when you do that. <laughs> so you lose you lose money and you lose ego. That's, yeah, that's oh, always, you know, <laughs> so hard. The ego's ego. hard, man. Money will you'll always make back. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the ego, the hard. ego takes a little longer to re yeah. replenish. That's right. Um, yeah. So I, you know, what's, what's always funny whenever I talk to entrepreneurs and accountants, and I'm going to use both yeah. of them interchangeable in this is mm. they're always like, you know, I always ask them, why aren't you doing this? Or why haven't mm. you done this? You, you know, you mm. need to do this. Why haven't you done it yet? Mm. And they're like, well, the mm. timing's not right. Or I, I need to do this first and then I'll do that. Or once this happens, then I'll do that. And accountants, especially now, it's very timely, right? We're in quote unquote busy season. Everyone's always right. like, oh my gosh, you know, don't talk to me until after April. It's like, mm -hmm. so you're chalking up four months out of the year because it's quote unquote busy season. So what's going to happen the other eight, eight months mm -hmm. of the year? You know, you, you right. don't crawl under a rock. Mm -hmm. You don't make all of your money in these four months. So like, what are you doing for the other stuff? And they're like, well, you know, next time I look at my pricing with my clients, I'll raise my pricing. Next mm -hmm. time I do busy season, I'll be better for the next busy season. It's like, no, you're yeah. not. Because when you're done with busy season, you're preparing for the next busy season and then mm -hmm. you're preparing for the next one. And so it's always funny talking to talking to entrepreneurs in general, especially accountants. Mm -hmm. They always plan 
based on something else yeah. happening. Yeah. And yeah. when this happens, then I'll do this. It's like, there's no reason for you to put that off. Make that decision yeah. now, commit and move forward. And then you learn whether that was a good thing or not. But like, stop putting decisions off, you know, stop yeah. waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we're, when we're working with, with firm owners, cause we do have, you know, coaching programs and consulting and things that we, we walk firm, firm owners through. And when we do that, I think what we find is that the, the revenue generation, they've stayed in it too long. And so when you build a company, especially a services based company, it does not scale through the owner's inbox. It doesn't scale yeah. through the owner's ability to produce the revenue. So Obviously, it makes sense. That's not scalable to do a services-based company where everything you do is service-based. It's a, it's a relationship, an email, typically a deliverable in a Zoom meeting. And so you have to give that work to somebody else. So when we find accounting firm owners not making those moves or not taking that risk, they have to go do a bunch of tax returns. Yeah. You know, they they have to go do some tax returns. They just can't think about it. And so yeah. a lot of the things we teach, we teach a lot of calendar based blocking around making sure you're pushing strategy and planning into your calendar on a weekly basis. And then we teach them, what do you do in strategy and planning? And so we're basically wedging in these calendar blocks into a calendar that's full of revenue based work. And it feels right to do a tax return to get paid. But as the yeah. owner, that's not right because it's not scalable. You you are always handing off revenue production to a team. And when you get larger, your team is really producing the revenue while you're in the CEO position. You're in that owner position mm -hmm. doing. And then you have time to think. And then we can hear people like you say, hey, it's time to take the risk. And then we have time to assess it and go into a market, test a pricing model, test some consulting engagement, test a new piece of software that we mm -hmm. want to go sell to a client. And sometimes they're just so busy. They just yeah. can't make those moves. Uh, that That's one thing. They're too busy producing revenue. Fear is a huge deal also. Yeah. Uh, probably for all entrepreneurs, we all get scared because um, oh, yeah. cause the things we're doing are hard and there's no answer. So we're we're wondering, but accountants are very risk averse. So they have a lot of fear in hurting the client, hurting their revenue, hurting their team. And so they won't yeah. venture out and take risks out of fear, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I think you're I think you're spot on there. And I think, you know, the the one of the biggest things when I was running my outsource CFO firm, I had so much insecurity because I'm like, why would someone pay me that? I'm not worth right. that money. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. I'm not worth it. Yeah. If I ask them for this much, they're going to say no, you know, because yeah. who am I? And it was one of the Scary. funniest things. One of my advisors, because I kept telling him, I'm like, I'm working so much. I'm not making as much as I used to. Mm. You know, I used to work for Boeing and I used to be a consultant and oil and gas. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been fortunate to have a really fortunate career. And then yeah. when I started my own outsource CFO firm, I'm like, oh shit, I have to do all this all over again. And one of my advisors was like, basically, do it and shut up and raise your prices and see what happens. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> quit why? <laughs> right. Yeah, that was literally it. And I'm like, all that's, right, maybe I'll just funny. do it and shut up. Yeah. And I literally yeah. emailed all my clients. I'm like, listen, these are the new prices. Mm. And you know, I lost some clients, but a lot of clients yeah. actually came back and they're like, wait, mm. so if you, we paid you more, could you do more work for us? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, not only did I make the money that I asked them, I made more because they were like, wait, we need yeah. more work. We need yeah. more help. And I'm like, oh my God. And that for me was life changing because yeah. that's how I got 
that's how I scaled yeah. my outsource CFO firm. That's how yeah. I got the idea for clockwork. That's how I got the, all the mm. customers for, you know, and so it, it literally just compounded. But, um, yeah. you know, if that, if that advisor didn't grab me by the shoulders and be like, wake up and stop being a little baby, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. They, that's the risk, right? I mean, you had to send this email and, and raise your prices and yeah. so scary. That stuff is so scary. But you find out your market does respond to yeah. value-based pricing. It's like you think you're valuable. And sometimes you can even not believe it and still send the email like, hey, you have to pay me yeah. more. But but a lot of times we find our own versions of money. We apply those when we ask for money from our market. Yes. And that's wrong, right? So if our own limiting beliefs about what our value is... We apply it to our market and go, you also would never pay me that because I don't believe I'm worth it. And so I yep. won't charge you an appropriate price. Yep. And I think a lot of firm owners do that. So that's a that's a courage, right, to overcome that fear. It's like I'm going to price somebody something I don't think I should, but I know I have to and yep. send it out. And that courage, it does come back and the market responds and like, OK, you're one of the value players. I'm going to yeah. lean on you. If you think you should be paid that, I'm going to start to lean on you. Some don't, but yeah. some do. They respond and then want to give you more because they're like, oh, you must be one of the ones that actually knows what they're doing. It's so yeah. weird. Pricing, so much psychology. Pricing, pricing yeah. So. It, it's all psychology. When I came out, mm. you know you know, clockwork. So right now, our highest, our most expensive mm. tier is $800 a month. When I first- mm launched clockwork you know what you know what the max i thought i could charge people was 59 dollars a month that was my highest <laughs> tier was 59 dollars a month and i'm like why would anyone wow. pay more i was like well, right why well here you are more? yeah and so every single year and it was funny i would get people who signed up and they're like oh we're looking at this software and this software i'm like yeah but they do half of what we do and they're like yeah but they're 300 a month and you guys are 59 so obviously you're not that good and i'm like wait what what? And what? I, yeah. And I, and that was really the reason why I started raising all my pricing is because everyone else was raising it. And I had customers and prospects like, well, we're not even going to look at you because you're not comparable in pricing. I'm like, well, what the heck? I mean, if, if I was it's, king for a day, wow. I'd make clockwork for free forever for anyone, uh, you know, at the highest tier. But, you know, you'll have so many people that are like, well, it can't be that worth it if it's not expensive. Right. Yeah. It's wild. It's not the way markets work. Markets yeah. work. When you price, you know, your price is this signaling out to that market. It's like, hey, I'm a high price product. It attracts people. It, it just feels it's yeah. so opposite yeah. what it feels like. It feels like you're going to push people away. And yeah. some do. Some can't afford it. But some go, yeah. who are you to be so different from other? So pricing is yeah. one of our yeah. first differentiators, right? It's mm -hmm. when we go into a market it is one of the things that sets us apart most. So. A lot of times when we're helping firms price, we're like, you want to be double somebody else and make sure you're double because yeah. that client, it will raise their eyebrows more than anything else. Even before you tell them what you're going to do, yeah. they'll go, wow, why do you think you're that? I want to talk to you and see what you have to say. It's incredible. So yeah, it really is psychology. Well, thanks so much, Jason. I, I, I mean, I yeah, can't man. believe we're, yeah, I can't believe we're already at time. I yeah. definitely could talk for, for hours. We'll definitely have so you back fun. on the show, but cool, um, man. yeah, thank you very much, Jason. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you so much. Where for can people me, find man. you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, probably yeah. thrival.com is uh, oh. where we put, you know, a lot of our blogs, T-H-R-I-V-E-A-L.com. 
A lot of people find me on LinkedIn. So I have 600,000 followers on LinkedIn. So a lot of followers. So wow, congrats. I, yeah, a lot of people come and uh, connect with me there. And jasonblummer.com is, you know, just a lot of the places yeah. you can click on URLs and go. And we have a couple of YouTube channels where we put out a good bit of strategy related growth content and a couple podcasts too. So love it. Love it, man. Well, this was this cool. was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. For anyone listening, you want to try the the first AI software in the FPNA space, uh, you know, check out clockwork.ai. There you go. But uh, yeah, thank you, Jason. And thank you everyone for listening and, and tuning in to the Real Slim Fatty show again. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Fatty Wama, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>